Hello and welcome back to the Trash Podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Harrison. Uh, This episode is yet another return episode for me. Unfortunately, there have been a change in life event, so I'm going to go a little uncut on this and just get something out there. Um, Job change at work. I've gone from working days to nights. Um, Third wife has now officially left me, so I've been dealing with that. So it's been a been a little difficult but we're gonna get back at it and there's probably a ton we can get on on this on those subjects but I do have other podcasts I mean I haven't quit podcasting I've just changed into different different uh demographics I guess I've got a podcast the struggles of a single dad you can check me out there I've been doing guest appearances over at my buddy Josh Riley's podcast which is the Mass Consumption Podcast. That's a, that's a really good one. If you, like, if you like the direction where this one was headed, I'd check that out. Um, I've got another podcast, and it's about amateur radio. But if you're not into amateur radio, then whatever. But you can catch me over there, and it's my call sign. It's K8KCH. Um, I'll have to double-check that, and like, I'll update that later. Uh, but here at the Trash Podcast, we're all about taking the trash out of daily life, and basically that's what I've been trying to do to get back on podcasting, is getting the trash out, getting stress-free, getting to the point where I can sit down and kind of ramble for a little bit. For the most part, it's been work and kids. I've got custody of three of my kids, so without anybody here to help, it's been a little difficult. But other than that, we, uh, we're, we're going to get back in the swing of things, I mean, there's a ton on the political front. I've been trying to stay away from the political front because that's such a such a hard topic. And just I mean, you got the Mueller investigation getting ready to officially release. That's gonna be interesting. Hopefully we'll be able to do something on that. I mean, from the preliminary release or the preliminary article that's saying that it's gonna be handed over is is pretty back and forth and strange so that ought to be an interesting read we'll definitely update on that um as well everybody should know but anybody who does know like i didn't vote for trump didn't vote for hillary either so don't throw me into that craziness either i think that the right and the left and it's not a two-party system in the u.s and whoever believes that obviously didn't pass any of their political science or social studies or what was the other thing they call it that class changed names three times before it became a joke but that uh any of that anything along those lines i mean it's never been a three-party system some of the greatest presidents the u.s had or never been a two-party system some of the greatest presidents that have ever held office were actually third-party presidents and that's that's undebatable i mean some of the greatest things done for the country were were by presidents that were not affiliated with Democrats or the Republicans. Uh, the Republicans have... Actually, it's really crazy. If you look into history, the Republicans and Democrats have like switched places on their, on their party line like three or four times, probably infinitely across their life. And like that's something you should probably do some research on. If you go over to the Mass Consumption Podcast, uh, Josh Riley has covered that. I've talked about it with him on his podcast, so go ahead and go give that a listen. Um, 
not sure. Like everybody knows where the trash lies in politics, but I've been having a really great time reading stuff and listening to Ilian Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez because neither one of those two, I don't know who voted them in or who even thought that that was a good candidate for any position in a political battlefield. But those two have been spewing some stuff. Uh, Ilian Omar right now is trying to play a victim when she's obviously a very conservative uh, Muslim, which is fine. I don't have a problem with Muslims. Love Muslims, especially their food. Oh my gosh, Middle Eastern food. But uh, but she's she's a radicalist. She's very anti-Semitic. And if you if you look at like just the stuff she's posted on Twitter since she was elected to office, she has no business holding that position, especially on a foreign affairs committee. But she's playing the victim. She's being picked on, even though. She wants to degrade everybody that doesn't hold Jews as this evil force in the world, which I still have a hard time understanding how anybody thinks that one religious sect of people is controlling the entire government. I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. I mean, I, I know a couple Jews, and they're, they're financially struggling just as bad as I am. I mean, that's, that's like, that's just a stereotype, and it's, it's absolutely disgusting to me, and Ilian Omar just absolutely has it out for the Jewish community, Israel. <laughs> it, it's crazy to read some of the stuff she posts or listen to her talk about some of the stuff. It's like, oh my gosh. Uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, everybody knows. like she's, she's pitching things that sound good when you say it, but when you put the pen to paper and you start doing the financial stuff, like that's a disaster. And then come to find out she she's committed more than a couple counts of uh, campaign fraud. Uh, her and her uh, campaign manager apparently have been, been laundering money out of those accounts. And that's, that's still up in the air. But of course, you know, being a Democrat, like they're, they're getting, they're getting the slow burn effect on it, but Republicans get this fast burn effect and it's, it's really weird. Like, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. Like, I, I see dividing ideals into parties as this horrible, horrible thing. And it, it creates dumb voters. Like, you get straight-ticket voters, and that's the worst thing in the world, in my opinion. A straight-ticket vote, you're just voting on somebody because they decided to put an R or a D after their name. And it's ridiculous, because you're not voting for a candidate based on their capability of on, on their ability to represent you, you're just voting on them because they align with a red or a blue color. And that's, that's destructive because you have Republican candidates that are running on a platform that makes absolutely no sense for their seat. Like, like locally, we, uh, we had some county seat. What was it? It wasn't a treasurer. Actually, it was below treasurer. So, I mean, it's pretty down, far down there on the ballot, but, but they're, they didn't have anything like that even backed them for their candidacy for it. I actually wrote myself in on that. I didn't win. Actually, the Republican candidate did, and I wasn't happy about it, but there wasn't a whole lot I could do, but like, but they were the only one running. And then you had the reelectee who actually at the time of the election was under investigation for, um, 
uh, what was it? Um, embezzlement. Wow, I'm having a hard time thinking. Uh, then again, it is midnight and I got off work early. So my brain's still in go mode at work and I'm at home, but, uh, they were, they were under investigation for embezzlement. So I didn't want to vote for that person. And I wasn't voting for the person who had no qualification for the job. So I wrote myself in. So, but anyways, straight ticket voting, horrible, horrible idea. And I think that's how we wind up with the Ilian Omars and the Ocasio-Cortezes because people are straight ticket voting. That's, that's, I mean, those are just two that are really easy to point out, but that's how we wound up with this stack up of, I don't, I don't know what to put them as, but Trump backed Republican or yeah, Trump backed Republicans. And it's ridiculous because a lot of these people that he's appointed in positions or that were voted in when he was, when after uh, with the election, he was voted into his seat with, uh, and you've got this horrible spread. Like you've got people that were good candidates in one place, but they're not so great a candidate for where they wound up. And it, as a straight ticket voting, like, like look at the people and then vote where they meet the requirements. Like this straight ticket thing has to go away. That shouldn't even be an option because that is just party loading. They can literally just party load. They get one candidate that everybody really likes and then they pile a bunch of garbage underneath them and it's, it's bad. It's all bad. I mean, it, it, and if you really want to see where I stand, like you can go over and listen to top 10, I believe it was the top 10 meltdowns of 2018. I was a guest on there. That's actually, that was actually a list I compiled and me and Josh had a lot of fun with that, but we tore, we tore into it a little bit. We got meltdowns from both sides, had a blast with it. Um, and you, you can see where we stand on both, both sides of it. And it's, it's all fun. It's all fun. I mean, when it comes down to like legislature that they pass, like then it, then it really gets into my personal life. Like my personal life, obviously I'm an amateur radio operator. I talk all over the world on a radio. And the one thing that like, like there's a lot of things that stick out about Trump, but the one that hit me on a really personal note was him trying to back out of the international postal trade agreement because I send mail overseas all the time. It's not like, like I'm trading illicitly or like trying to forego tariffs or anything. No, I, I send QSL cards, which are just confirmations of a conversation that we had on the radio. So it's personal correspondence, but I send it all over the world and backing out of the international trade thing. Like I, I wrote my congressman, I wrote my house reps, like I, I wrote everybody. I, I even sent emails to the White House like this is the worst thing you could do, da 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 da. Uh, I mean, Trump doesn't have my support. He's he's in he's really in it for his own pocket. He's setting up a golden gateway for him to make money through his businesses after he leaves office. And we all knew that when he got elected. That's that's just the thing. He came in a multimillionaire. He's going to leave with a stock price that's in the billions. That's just like, like you don't you don't chase money and go to politics. I mean, people go to politics and then wind up chasing money, and that turns into a whole nother thing, which is why everybody's complaining about Congress seats because con- you have Congress, you have congressmen who have been in there for careers like fifty years. Like most people don't hold the same job that long, and they're just collecting money and stacking into retirement accounts. And 
taking taking money from uh oh man why can't i think today uh lobbyists they are taking all the money from lobbyists they can and piling it in places and that's where we're getting corrupt votes i mean i think we really need to go to a non-partisan political system because this bipartisan system isn't working and it's i don't know i mean that's another thing. Like we could talk about that forever. I'm having a, like I'm I'm 30 and I remember when it was taught like when socialism was taught as it is. What it really is. It is a political control structure that monetizes the that monetizes its under like its underlings. Like it monetizes the people. Each person has a dollar amount assigned to them. They cost this much to keep alive, so we're going to make this much off of them, and we're going to give them this much back to keep them alive, so they can continue to give to the system. Now, like there are people who wholeheartedly will tell you that their ideal socialist environment is a capitalist environment. Like, get on YouTube and look and just watch some of the people that try and explain socialism to you or what they see socialism as. And they will literally tell you that it is a system, a monetary system where the control is given to the workers. Uh, That is capitalism. That's capitalism all day. And anybody who thinks any different really should go to a socialist like country and live there and see how socialism works in those countries. They're, they're like, when, when do we start idolizing Fidel Castro? Like, I don't understand that. Like, like Marx has become this big figure. Um, there was a college student that was just bathing like praises on Stalin. Like, it, it's it's unimaginable to me that people have just completely lost history, completely lost the actual definition of terms. Like they, they just see a word, they give it an association with a falsifies definition, and then they spread this crap to people who are just as stupid to try and get it put in place. Like you got Bernie Sanders who is running on this idea on this ideology, and it's like, nothing against Bernie Sanders. He's got a lot of good ideas. I just don't think socialism is one of them. And I really think that people need to look into things a lot closer before they decide that this is for them. There are people changing their minds politically more than they change their socks and underwear, which is a little disgusting when you really think about it. But they're like the people who are telling you that socialism is great, step close to them and try and breathe through your nose. I was at a rally in Ann Arbor, just listening to some of the state people. This was a while back before our state elections. Just listening to our state people, trying to get an idea of of where I stood with some of these people. So I was listening to speakers at the University of Michigan. And that was, that's that's how I like to do it. I like to get personal with them. If they'll meet and greet, like I want to meet and greet with you. Like I want to see if your platform on stage is really backed by your conversation off stage, which is a really great way to get to know your representatives. If you get the chance to do that, please do that. It'll change your political like scope tremendously. Like just being able to meet, even if you don't agree with that person at all, talk to them, like just get a one-on-one basis with them. And you'll see like, like that their platform up there 
is way less aggressive when you get to know them face to face because up there they have to be aggressive. They're being challenged by everybody in the crowd, especially if it's a debate, then it's a really, really high pressure situation. So get to know them. Like if you can get to one of those meet and greets where they'll sit and talk with people, if you can get their attention for more than 30 seconds, they will talk to you and it's great. That's where uh, charisma is great for you. Like if you have charisma or you have a social like, like radiance, that draws people to you, use that. They really scope in on that because if you if you give them that feel, then they think that you have pull with people. So they're going to give you the time So because they know you're going to talk to people. I talk to a million people. I don't even have to know you. If I'm in line at the bank, I'll talk to you. If I'm in line at a restaurant, I'm going to talk to somebody. Like, like it doesn't matter. Like, while I'm waiting to take a dr- like, get my drinks in or at a bar, like, I'll talk to the person sitting at the bar. <laughs> like, it drives everybody I know crazy because I can just strike a conversation. I was a salesman for, I was a siding salesman. I was an asphalt salesman. Like that's, that's just like, you learn it. So you just learn to have a conversation that like, like I, I like, I throw stuff out there. It's really crazy. Like, like I'll see something and I'll just be like, Hey man, like your hat didn't know you like, you didn't seem like the kind of guy would be into that. And like, like, Oh yeah, yeah. Like that just starts this chain reaction. And even if you don't talk about what you started the subject on, like you just really, what you're really doing is you're feeding them a little piece of information about you based on what you judged on them. Like it sounds real shitty, but like say they're way, wearing an NCAA hat. Like, okay, NCAA, like right now, March Madness, big deal. So all you got to do is spout something, even if it's a team they hate. Like, they're going to come back at it. Then you start talking statistics, and then they'll be like, well, hey, man, you know it's a really wild underdog story? And then they'll just rattle some statistic off about baseball, and then it just creates a rabbit hole. And you can use that, if if you've done it before, to spin into something else, and you can give them a sales pitch, or it, it gets a rapport I'm going. Great. But, like, I don't know. I do that everywhere. I've done it at the courthouse. <laughs> like, that is probably the one place you don't want to talk to people. But, like, I've I've spun that off at the courthouse just because, like, hey, man, I'm sitting here. got a couple hours. I'm going to talk to somebody. So you talk to somebody. So, like, yeah, like, that's... But anyways, I use that at, at those rallies, and especially if there's a meet and greet, because then I can get the political... I can get the politician themselves to speak to me. Speaking to their managers is great, but you're not getting word from the horse's mouth kind of stuff like that's that's what i go for and if i don't get that with that person then yeah i'm going to kind of base my idea of them off of their stage platform because that's all i have to go off of but be mindful like tv platform stage platform like they're being pushed by their party or whoever's backing them and they've got to be real hard on tv and on a stage because like there's there's not really a whole lot of give and take unless it's a debate, and then it's going to be even harder to really understand what they want because they're really just trying to win the debate. And I, I'm not sure where politics became the schmear game, but it's horrible. It, it's been become really horrible. We're we're in a day and age now where it's better to be a mud thrower than it is to stand on a stage and say this is what I support. I support it because this, it is backed by this, like, like, and basically that's how I vote constitution. I'm a constitutionalist. A lot of people call themselves statesmen, but that's gotten a little bit of a bad rap because a lot of statesmen have just turned into assholes. Like they're, they're kind of, they're kind of jerky and I don't like that. 
but like like I'm I don't I'm not the kind of person to throw my belief on anybody. But constitutionally, if I'm backed by the Constitution, I'm going to stand on it. If you don't agree with me, well, I'm just going to tell you it's in the Constitution, and then I'm going to walk away. Like that's that's really all there is to this whole political game, and nobody can do that. If you don't agree and you're not going to see eye to eye, walk away. I've got a buddy who doesn't see eye to eye with me. He's hardcore liberal. Not a problem with not a, really a problem. But when we don't see eye to eye on something, like. Either me or him, when we decide that it's not going anywhere, that we it's it's almost a direct quote every time of the last time it happened. This conversation is not productive. I'm going to stop now. Have a good day. I'll talk to you later. Like that's that's how they end every time me and him have a little bit of a a, a tiff on stuff. Like, well, it's not productive. So just stop. It's not productive. In fact, you're inflicting damage if it's not being productive. I, I'm a firm believer. If we don't grow together, we will fail together. And I keep telling everybody, like, quit being this left person, this left wing person, this right wing person. It doesn't matter. We're all Americans. We're all trying to do our patriotic duty. Grow. Like, sit down and have a conversation with somebody who understands more about this problem than you do. Like, and you have to be willing to admit that I don't know everything. I don't. Hard, like hardcore will say a million times over there are things i learn daily somebody's teaching me something because somebody's got some feedback to give me that's either going to change the way i view things or they're going to give me a piece of information that i hadn't gotten to or maybe i had and i just hadn't assimilated it grow like let people teach you even if you don't think they have anything to teach you let them teach you like even even if it's just a conversation in passing, somebody that somebody will surprise you, guarantee it. If you just open your mind to it, start the conversation. You like get it waiting for your coffee at Starbucks. I personally don't go to Starbucks. There, I have no need to spend nine dollars on a cup of coffee. That's ridiculous to me. But people enjoy Starbucks. I personally enjoy Starbucks. It's just too expensive. But like just. Strike up a conversation, especially, especially strike up a conversation if they don't look like your friends. If they are not the same person you have been surrounding yourself by for 30 years, like that is the person you want to talk to. I have friends, like all creeds, colors, religions, political views. Like that's how you grow. And if they're hard to get along with, they're hard to get along with. And you just have to accept that. Maybe they won't become your friend because they're hard to get along with. But if they don't see eye to eye with you, that does not make them a bad person. We got to quit this. You're a Nazi because you support Second Amendment rights crap. We have to stop the, uh, you support an open economy. You're a lazy, not want to working piece of crap. Like I had another word for that, but... I wasn't sure if it would come off right, so I rambled, sorry. But like, like there's, I mean, just because they're liberal does not mean they're living in their mom's basement at the age of 30. Like, uh, a lot of them are really hardworking people. <laughs> there are liberals who are writing government dollars at college. Like, there are liberals who are working 100 hours a week just to make ends meet. 
mean, and there is the stereotypical liberal in their mom's basement, just like there's the stereotypical rightist who's got a bomb shelter of a house with 316 guns and 4 million rounds of ammunition that they don't need. Granted, yes, they don't need that much. I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not stockpiling firearms to try and start a war with my neighbor because I don't like them. Like that, that stuff doesn't make sense. Like there are crazy people everywhere and it's on both sides of the battlefield. There, there's crazy centralists too, like statesmen, constitutionalists. There are some crazy people there too. Like, don't get me wrong. Like go look at libertarians. Some of those libertarian people are nuts. Like libertarians are pretty cool, but there's, there are some things they do that's like, that's a third party. A lot of people don't know. Like there were people literally up in arms about not knowing who Johnson was during the Trump Hillary schmear campaign thing they had going on. That was ridiculous. Like people were getting online. Who is this dude? Like if we'd have known about him, all he had to do was run one ad campaign or one ad for his campaign and we'd have voted for him. And that, okay, that right there was irresponsible voters in my mind because they didn't look at their ballot choices prior to the election. They went to their polling place and looked at their ballot choices then. All that stuff is public knowledge. Like, Like once all the candidates are in place and the campaigning starts, like you can go look at your ballot choices and decide from there. Like I spend, I'd say about 90% of my internet time uh, during campaign season researching candidates, uh, looking at all the positions that are being put up for vote, like all everything on the ballot, like I know. Like even stuff that doesn't pertain to me, like stuff that's out of my my district or say my state's not voting on something, like which is really weird. I didn't know that Michigan had the right to not allow a vote for their seat holders in the federal government if they just decided not to. And they that kinda happened. Not this last year, but but that has happened where they just decide like, no, we're happy with who we have in there and they just don't take a vote on it. Which seemed a little a little crazy to me. But I don't know. There's a lot of things that happen in politics that seems really shady. I I think the whole political like field right now is shady. So that's, that's some stuff that like people need to do some research on. Like, like we just legalized marijuana, but apparently counties are able to opt out of it. I didn't know that was a thing. Like the state legalized it, but now counties can opt out. That doesn't make any sense. If the state voted for legalization, the state has to adopt that. But apparently we have city states within Michigan and they've just decided to do their own thing. But that's neither here nor there. Which, by the way, that is one thing. If they legalized it, all the tension would be gone. Because then you wouldn't have a bunch of closet potheads arguing with each other from across the aisle. Which I have seen happen, and it is crazy. Because they don't know either one of Like, they don't know the other one smokes weed. And they just sit there and argue. And then you just be like, hey, want to hit a blunt? And they both go, yeah. And now they're friends, and they're having a constructive conversation. And it's like, dude... All you had to do was start with, you want to hit a blunt and then get in the conversation and it would have went 100% better, which is crazy. Like everybody's like, oh, well, it's a drug. That's a bad sign. 
No, what it is is you've got two people who don't have a middle ground. And once you introduce the middle ground, then they happily are ready to have the conversation because they have common ground. Like, wow, cool. Completely different issue, but we have a commonality. So let's talk this out instead of fight it out, which everybody really should have should think about before, like when you're getting mad at somebody go there's common ground here even if it comes down to the point where we are both alive and human beings like there's common ground we should stand on that but that that rarely happens people are too locked up in i'm right you're wrong i'm right you're wrong that's not true in politics it's very likely that neither one of you are right but at the same time neither one of you are wrong usually the best outcome is middle ground in those situations. Like, there's a lot of stuff in there that's just like it, it's a blurred line to begin with. Like border security, yes, we do need border security. Do we need a million miles of wall? Well, technically, no. Like if we just hashed out an agreement with the countries that we're having immigration problems with, and we came up with a solution then, yeah, a wall is effective. I don't care what anybody says. Like, yes, the walls right now are ineffective because people are literally walking to the end of the wall and around it. If the wall was complete, it is a deterrent. It worked for Guatemala, Peru. The Great Wall of China is that wall. Like, it works. It worked centuries ago. It worked for Peru when they built it in the 80s. Guatemala built one in the early 90s. Like, it works. You can look that up. There are all these countries that people are saying we're being racist towards have built their own walls. Mexico's built a wall along their southern border to keep people from getting in. It works. It works for them. If it works for them, then it's going to work on our border. The problem is, is it's got to be complete. There's no, absolutely no reason for a wall to go 100 miles. You can walk around it. And one, where the wall ends is in the middle of nowhere, so there's very likely never going to be border patrol there. There, there's a lot of crime that happens right on, the, like right after crossing the border. Like farmers have been shot for being on their own land. Like people running across the border are afraid that the farmer is going to send them back, and the farmer gets shot just for being on his property and checking out his cattle or checking his piece of the fence. Or maintaining his property, like, then he gets shot. Uh, Border Patrol agents have been shot without warning. they just riding an ATV, and next thing you know, they get shot. And it's, like, 100 yards from the border. Like, these are all true events. You can look up Border Patrol crimes. Like, crimes against Border Patrol. Uh, Southern Texas farmers get shot. Arizona farmers get shot. Like, it, it happens. But... Again, I guess that's neither here nor there. Uh, that That is a problem. And actually, that's where it's kind of crazy. We can go off of that. Actually, we can spend that. It, it's crazy that Obama said, Border Patrol, there is a crisis on the border. It was a national emergency. Bush said there was a national emergency. Clinton said it was a national emergency. Every president... All the way back to Kennedy. Kennedy said our borders are not secure and it is a problem. All the way back 
They've all said it. Trump says we're going to build a wall because this is a national security issue. And everybody loses their minds all of a sudden. It just, like that was that's the most insane thing I've ever seen. It is a crisis. It is a manner of national security. Like it has been a problem for decades. But one one man says it and attempts to do it comes up with a solution and everybody lost their minds. The Obama administration voted 37 times on that. 37 times on how to come up, like if they were going to come up with a solution, not how to, if they were even going to come up with a way to address the security issue at our southern border. 37 times. They've passed it every time that they needed to come up with a solution, but it never happened. They never came up with a solution. That is insane. He did great things, though. Obama did do some really great things for the economy. He did some great things for the country. But that is just, like, how, like, I'm not even, like, that's just one of them I know about. Like, I know uh, Bush, who was governor of Texas before becoming president, knew the problem, said it was a problem. He didn't even, like, acknowledge it as a president, like, as as far as his presidency, he never came up with any solution, never even offered a solution. It's, it's just insane that like everybody can say that it's a problem, but one person says, let's fix the problem. And now he's a racist and a bigot, which I like to point out. He can't be a racist and a bigot. If like he hired those people, like he hired illegal immigrants to work for him, which is illegal. But at the same point, like, okay, he wants to fix the problem, but he's profited off of illegal immigrants. Seems kind of like a catch-22. A little weird. But, like, so calling him a racist because he wants to keep him out, it's like, well, but, okay, they're illegal. Like, they don't have rights. They're actually supposed to be arrested and sent back. Like, there's all these rules that are in place. Like, it's really weird because they try and have this moral discussion with you. Well, in the moral like in the moral high ground on that is they should have followed procedure. Like you can't do something illegal and expect to get away with it because you have the moral high ground. Yeah. There like, there's refugee things like, yes, you can become a refugee to the U S from Mexico. If you're being sought out by a cartel that happens all the time, happens all the time. Testify against somebody in Mexico city to try and get the cartel shut down they become a citizen of the U.S. to escape it because there's literally a threat on their life. From the second they say they're going to testify, they are a dead person in Mexico. And they do get a refugee status in the U.S., which I wholeheartedly agree with. That person deserves, like, he did good for his community. But now he's not safe in his community. Bring him here. It's sad. He can never go home. He can't see his family there. He can't go visit them. He can't, like, just, in even in... 50 years go back for a visit because somebody will recognize him. Somebody will know who he is and he'll wind up dead. That's like, that's crazy. And yes, that is something that needs to be fixed. And for some reason, we're more worried about democracy in the Middle East instead of helping our brothers to the south of us get their country under control because the like the whole political structure down there is controlled by the cartels. The police are controlled by the cartels. Like, 
I know that sounds like a racist thing, but like, look it up. South America is insane. I, I was born so close to the border. I could throw a rock from the hospital parking lot I was born in and it would land in Mexico. We went, we would drive three miles from our house to the bridge and go get our prescriptions filled in Mexico. I love Mexico. Beautiful country. Lot of heritage. People are great. Like, the culture is amazing. I love the Mexican culture personally. Like, oh, but like, there's a lot of crazy stuff. It's a dangerous country. And like, I think, like, I think that the U.S. as people, if we were focused on it and we had the right demeanor about it, we could help fix it. Is that a police, like a police action force? No, we don't need another Vietnam. Like, but that is something that we could assist in and we refuse to. And that, that's just mind blowing. But like that, that, like there's a whole bunch of situations that are completely solvable if we just address it right. Border wall may not be necessary if we helped eliminate the cartels. Big problem with that is, is we really have to weed out the political people in Mexico who are, who are in bed with the cartels and that can be dangerous. I mean, there's, it's, it's really, that, that's another catch 22 on the U S's part. Do we block off the southern wall and piss off a lot of people on both sides or do we go f- try and help mexico fix an issue that's been an issue forever everybody knows it's an issue the uk knows it's an issue i mean australia knows it's an issue i talk to people there and they're like i can't believe that this is the solution they have when this is the real answer and that's literally a conversation I had with somebody outside of Brisbane on the radio that he couldn't believe this was the answer for our border security when all we had to do was work with Mexico and fix the problem. And it was that easy. That's That was a solution from a farmer in Australia outside of Brisbane who only got his amateur radio ticket so he could communicate because the little little village he's from has telephone systems, but... To his farm, they don't have a line, so he got his amateur radio license so he could talk into town, receive the news for the day, and then he can go out on the farm, which is cool. Like, there's a lot of countries like that. I mean, you wouldn't think about it. Nepal? Nepal's really cool. They have monks in monasteries who are amateur radio operators because they can't get telephone communications up to that area, so they use amateur radio to get into big cities so they can get information out. But... That was a side tangent, sorry. Anybody who doesn't know anything about amateur radio, check it out. Really cool. Especially like the little pieces like that, like the way they use it in Nepal or how it's affected the communication in the military. Like a lot of the military communication stuff is is developed by amateur radio operators. Or it's developed and then the military grabs a hold of it and just takes off of it. Like they do some crazy stuff that it's real cool. Like that's, that's where we got like digital voice modes and stuff, but we, uh, but yeah, like, like I'm a emergency communications expert. Like my expertise, I train all, all the time is for emergency situations like hurricane Michael, uh, like in the, like where they have in the floods and all that because of the heavy snow, uh, and down and it's all downstreaming. I believe that's Nebraska. I think they're having some in Wisconsin and Colorado, we go in, we set up communications. That way we can get people out in the field and get stuff settled. That way we can save as many lives as possible. It's it's probably the main reason I got into amateur radio. 
but yeah, that's, that's what I got into it for. And that's what I trained for daily. I handled, uh, traffic for hurricane Michael, not much, but I did handle a little bit of it, uh, for, for, uh, Aries races, uh, FEMA, like you take in traffic and you just, all, all I did, did was write down a message, confirm the message. And then I called another location and I got the information to them. They confirmed that's what I had written. And then they sent it out to like whoever needed it to use it as usable information, which is cool. But, uh, anyways, I think I've done enough rambling for tonight and, uh, I got way off topic, but thank you for listening to my madness. I've, this is your host, Kenneth Harrison. Have a wonderful day.